How are you guys doing? Great. Good. Everybody awake? No. We got we got pretty we got up pretty early too, so I'm a little tired too. My coffee's wearing off. Normally my coffee's just kicking in right now, but I got up earlier because of the cars and coffee thing. So now my I need another cup of coffee at some point. So um, it's funny I'm talking about rest today. I'm all days to talk about rest, but uh, <laughs> but there's something cool like uh, especially about cars in general. And I've told you guys this before. One of my favorite things was to find, especially growing up because I didn't have a lot of money, is to find a car that was rough and old. And I always loved seeing the potential in an old car that other people didn't see. They just saw an old car, you know, with hubcaps on it or something. And I saw it, you know, customized and different and kind of at its full potential. And I love that even during worship, I saw that, saw those cars out there and people that have spent time working on them and and, uh, modifying them to kind of fit their own personality. Because usually cars are kind of an extension of your personality. And so they've taken the time to, like, put all the effort in and the time and everything like that. And it's, it's really cool to see that and to, to kind of be able to relate and know coming up in that same kind of car community, uh, seeing potential in things that other people saw no potential in. And I see that gospel all in that because that's what Jesus does with us. He sees us and we're a mess. <laughs> like, we seem not worth a whole lot and he sees value and he sees something beautiful. And he sees, you know, he even says, you know, I, I, oh, you bring me coffee. Is this your personal coffee? Lawrence? <laughs> Wait a minute. I'll take it. It's real cold and yeah. It's it's good. That was real good. A little less sweetener than I normally put in. I put a lot of sugar in mine. Thank you. There's I I can tell. It looked lighter colored like it had some sweet, but it's not. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'll get it. <laughs> Start throwing coffee at me. Maybe you can rinse it out with that. Thank you. I almost asked you if it had any kind of sweetener in it, but I, I assumed it did, and it was going to be perfect. I, y'all pray over it, and it'll just turn into it. No, no, I'm good. It might turn into wine. We tried to do that yesterday at, at Bellingrath Gardens. <laughs> Look, God is so good, and I love, I love, love, love how everybody thinks weddings are going to go perfect, every one of them, and it's super stressful for a pastor, too, because you, you don't want to mess up, and I've messed up several times. I've mispronounced people's name or called them the wrong name at some point. Poor Patrick, Patrick St. John, I called St. Patrick. <laughs> I now pronounce you Mr. and Mrs. St. Patrick, and they're like, huh? I mean, St. John, St. John. Your name's Patrick, St. Patrick. It's hard. Look, they don't tell you this stuff when you become a pastor. This is going to be hard. you got to remember stuff. I've got ADD. I get distracted. All I thought was St. Patrick. St. Megan and St. Patrick. They're both saints. I was, I should have, if I'd have, if I'd have been quick, I could have turned that into something. Because they're saints, St. Patrick and St. Megan. Dang it, Doug. Where were you? you got to help me out. Bail me out of this. So, <laughs> you were driving. So, uh. So anyway, yeah, we, we, uh, we're, getting the, we're getting the communion. They were going to take communion. <laughs> and we had the bread, and it was warm, and it was awesome. Brought the bread up there. And I was like, okay, who's got the wine? And they're, they're supposed to bring it. I was like, I don't know. Who's supposed to bring it? <laughs> we're running around. We ended up, where did, what did we end up getting? Me and Elijah went to the vending machine and got the fruit punch. Minute made fruit punch. 
We almost got a sippy cup. It was glass, it had two handles, and it looked like a sippy cup. It was awesome. It was very last minute. It was literally like, okay, we got to figure this out. But man, that was it was a beautiful, beautiful wedding. That was a very small hiccup compared to how awesome everything else was. They had some of the best bunt cakes. Oh my gosh, I don't know who decided that, but that was a great idea. They had like eight cakes there. This is worth it for this. All right. So, yeah, love you guys. It's awesome. It's been a crazy few weeks. I know we've moved into a new house. David, where's David? In here? Yeah, he moved into a new house. Buddy and Angela moved into a new house. Like, everybody just got new houses. It's pretty cool. But it's been pretty exhausting because we didn't have a lot of stuff, but it's still we had a lot of stuff, and we're still kind of going through the stuff. So uh, it's been interesting, interesting week for sure. It's been really cool, but... It's been an adventure, so rest was what was on my mind, <laughs> uh, and I wanted to talk a little bit about it, and I don't have a very long message, so feel free to, to interrupt if, you, if the Holy Spirit leads you, not just for the sake of interrupting. <laughs> if the Holy Spirit leads and, and something resonates with you, if you don't know, we talk about sympathetic resonance in here. It's when you have a piano on one side and a piano on the other side of the room, and you strike a chord over here, the chord will reverberate on the piano if no one's near it. It's what we call sympathetic resonance. It's what why we don't believe, we don't, I don't try to convince you guys of a truth. That would be kind of a cult. What we do is we hopefully, I speak for my Holy Spirit, and your Holy Spirit has that sympathetic resonance, and that's okay. I hope that it does. And when it does, sometimes he may bring something to light, and I want to encourage you, if you're visiting here, it's okay to speak up. We're one of those kind of churches, yeah. We even have a microphone and a, a stand-in Donahue for you so we can get it on the podcast. Because guess what? You guys have the same Holy Spirit I have, right? Come on, guys. It's the same. Hang on. Let me back up. It's the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead. You have it, right? Yes. If you don't, let's stop everything and we need to talk. We can fix that right now. It's free and you couldn't earn it. You don't deserve it, but he'll give it to you for free. And if you do have it, say wahoo. All right, cool. This is going to be a fun morning. What? Already. Here we go. Go ahead, Carol. I hadn't even started yet. This is good. I just want to thank God that three families in our church, in the midst of chaos, have been blessed with the prosperity of God to buy, to get into new houses, bigger houses, better places. I am so grateful yes. that the Lord's prosperity yes. is upon us. Amen. It's a miracle. And it's in a, time, in a time when, if you look around, the housing market is not an easy thing to deal with right now. Like, it's not easy to buy a house right now, and most of the time it's very difficult if, if you can even get it for a decent price because they're going through the roof, much less have one just, well, for us specifically, like, plop down in our laps like, hey, here you go. What a gift. So, yes, I agree. It's so very thankful for that. So very thankful. Um, all right, rest. Let's talk about rest. One of the scriptures I actually met, I've told you guys this, and I'll tell you a little bit more now, now that we've kind of solidified it. We had, uh, this is, this, we're going to be pretty laid back today. Y'all cool with that? Not that we aren't normally. Lori, y'all know Lori across the street at the venue. Um, uh, Mark had already kind of worked out a deal with her about kind of sharing space. They need our parking sometimes, and we use their venue sometimes, and we just kind of barter back and forth. Uh, so she contacted us when Tracy and I uh, became pastors, senior pastors here. She said, hey, can we keep this thing going? I was like, yeah, but we may utilize your space more because it's pretty cool. We didn't really do a whole lot before. And we have. We've had like uh, dinners and we've had a little graduation stuff over there and we've had they've helped us out with weddings too 
Um, and so she contacted me a couple weeks ago, and she said, uh, she said, hey, we've got a small church that, that wants to meet, and it's not going to work out the, the times and everything, and, and they're kind of loud, and they, she's closer to houses over there. And she said, would you, would you be interested in maybe talking to them about maybe them using your building, and they can pay you guys a little bit of rent or something or work some, work some kind of deal out? And I was like, sure. I mean, sounds, sounds pretty cool. And so uh, I contacted them and found out that they didn't really ask her to do that. She just kind of did that on her own. And so when I contacted them, uh, they got back with me, and we met, and I met with the, with the first couple, which is kind of, I guess they're kind of like the campus pastors here, and they had a pastor that was from Florida that would come back and forth and minister to them throughout the years. They've been kind of working together, and they're all one big family, and uh, they remind me of like a big Italian family. They're, I think they're Romanian is their, their background, but they are super, like, not just in their worship style or anything. They're charismatic in their in their... Um, in their culture, in the way that they, and that, that excites me. I like people that are like that, that are excited, and that you, you don't have to read into, everything is right there. And so the, we've only met twice, and the second time we met, he said I was going to meet with this pastor, which we did, but then we met with like 20 other people that just showed up, which was their family. And I, I don't know, we spent like an hour and a half, and Andrew came up here and met because we were talking about how we would work with worship and trying to work out details because we don't want to get in here and have everything set differently and all the details of what that looks like. And Andrew can tell you the same thing. We sat in here, and I mean, I, I probably preached two or three mini-sermons through the whole thing just because I was excited. And they're, fair, they're fairly young Christians. They came, uh, they came out of a revival, and, and, uh, and they're just so hungry. And they're just, they're, everything that we talk about, we just get excited. And they would get excited, I would get excited, and they would get excited, and we, we just talked. And I don't know what the future holds for that, um, but they've been an incredible encouragement to me. I don't know, they've said the same thing about us, but for me, I'm like, you guys have been an awesome encouragement for me. And so we've, we've kind of worked out a deal where they're going to they're gonna come on Sunday afternoons and they're going to use our facility. And we, they, in the same way, they were like, we want to help make sure we're going to clean up and make sure things are nice and neat. And I'm like, we want to help you guys. And so we were like trying to outdo each other in serving when we were talking. But, um, but it was just really cool to, to meet those guys and, and to see that. And as we were meeting, we, we talked about this one scripture. And, and it was in Matthew. And we were talking about uh, what this has been traditionally taught as and how we both agreed that it had been kind of misrepresented throughout the years. Um, and, and it kind of brought me back to it. And I'd, I'd preached this probably about a year ago, and I even went back and found the video. I was like, oh, I remember talking about that. Um, and so that, that's kind of where this whole sermon came out of that. So I don't know. It's, I don't know. I told them I'm going to come to some of their, they said sometimes they worship two or three hours th- straight through. And I was like, I may show up and just hang out with y'all, you know, in the afternoons if they're going to be doing some stuff. And, and they said they may come and visit us too, and I don't. Like I said, I don't know what the future holds for all that, but it was, it's, it's been really cool how God, and they said the same thing, how God kind of worked out. They weren't going to go out and look for a place. They were just praying that something would kind of, you know, they were trying to do what they could, but they didn't want to go around begging churches, you know, so they're, be, they're trying to be good too. So anyway, all that to say that this kind of was birthed out of that conversation of, uh, of rest. And Matthew 16, 24, um, if you have your Bible, you can turn there. I'm going to be bouncing around a few different places. Um, but if you don't, I'm, I'm not making this up. It's really in there. Uh, <laughs> Matthew 16, 24 says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. Now, traditionally, what have you guys heard that taught as? What is uh, denying yourself? What have you heard that? Other than if you've heard me teach it the other way. What have you heard traditionally taught that way? Yeah. Um, Giving up secular music, right? Giving up. Something, right? Our, his Bible's talking. I like that. We're living in the future. Look at us. Prophesy straight from the phone. <laughs> Take that, Steve Jobs. No. 
So, um, so uh, I don't even know if it's an iPhone. Anyway, anyway, ADD, focus. So denying yourself traditionally, the way I was taught was giving up secular music, giving up something that you like that's not quote unquote godly, right? Have y'all heard that? That was the way it was taught. And a lot of times they would tie a scripture that doesn't go with it, which was Paul talking about what, when he would say, uh, I died, or uh, basically dying daily. What he was talking about was he was literally being persecuted and he faced death every day. He wasn't talking about killing yourself every day. Listen, for the Christian, you died once with Christ. You don't die over and over and over again. There's no more, we're going to get to this in a minute. There's no more sacrifices to be made. If so, then, then what Jesus said it is finished is not true. There's no sacrifice. We're not the sacrifice. He is. He was and he is. So we have to get out of this mindset. What I always, I like to tell everyone is in the, in the headers, you know, that scripture wasn't written necessarily and broken up the way that we break it up. We do that so we can find our place. These are letters that were written. I always tell everybody to scratch out all the headings and just put it's all about Jesus because it helps us see things clear. Because we do believe here that in, in a Christocentric hermeneutic, in other words, we believe that Christ is the center of all scripture from Genesis to Revelation. Genesis tells of him, in the beginning was the word and was the word was with God and the word was God, speaking all the way to Revelation as a revelation of Jesus. It was all pointing to him, all types and shadows in the Old Testament, all revelation and substance in the New. So it was all types and shadows in the Old and substance in the actual reality of Jesus and life. So when we look at this and we see, okay, well, what does this mean in those lenses? When we deny ourselves, we can actually go all the way back to Leviticus because that term, especially there, should have been recognized in Jewish culture. Leviticus 23, 28, which is the shadow. Now, Jesus is a substance, right? Jesus is a substance. Leviticus is showing a shadow. It says in uh, 23, 28, it says, Do not do any work on that day because it's the day of atonement. When atonement is made for you before the Lord your God, those who do not deny themselves on that day must be cut off from their people. So this is a pretty serious thing. What he's saying here is this is the Sabbath. This is the day of rest. When you deny yourself, you're not... It's not saying you're denying yourself, and we cheapen it by saying that, I think, in our culture. Deny yourself secular music or deny yourself this. What you're doing is you're putting yourself in the place of Jesus when you say that. With the Day of Atonement back then, they had sacrifices of like bulls and goats, right? And they had things that they could see tangible. They could smell the incense. They would hear the bells. They would sacrifice the goats, see the blood. All these things were right in front of them. It says, it says blessed are those that see me and, hear, and, and believe, but how much more blessed are those that don't see me and have faith? In other words, this new covenant is an invisible kingdom. It's not something that we can see like bulls and goats. It's something that manifests from the inside of us out. So when we recognize that, that Jesus is the substance of these things, this shadow that they're talking about is not what we, we are doing right now. If, if we recognize that this denying ourselves is not just doing something sacrificial, because that would put it back. There's lots of other religions out there that will preach that, that will tell you, if you, give, if you deny yourself enough, then you can reach some sort of enlightenment, right? And you can see that all over the world outside of Christianity. That is based on what I can do and what I cannot do. And I'll tell you right now, I'm very limited on that. The very supernatural thing of what, what, what we're seeing here as far as denying ourselves is resting in what Jesus did. When we talk about taking up our cross, we're taking up his cross. What happened in his cross? He died for us. What he's saying here is, take up my cross daily. Rest daily. You don't have to wait for the seventh day. You can rest all the time because now you possess me. You have him with you all the time. So I love that, that we, when we talk about being walking, talking temples, you don't have to enter this building to be in church. You are the church. When we're out there talking and hanging out and um, taking pictures of the trail maids and talking about cars, 
you guys have the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead out in the front yard as you do in this place. I used to hear people say, well, don't cuss in church. Well, you are the church. <laughs> I mean, what? I don't understand. Like, there, there's this idea that we, we can step in and out of this thing, and you can't. You're not running God off. He literally says, if you go and join yourself to a harlot, harlot, let's, I go with you. <laughs> You're not getting rid of me that easy. What he's saying is, I, I'm not a distant God. My kingdom is not far away. It's literally at hand. It's within you. The deposit that we have in the Holy Spirit says you can rest not just on the seventh day. You can rest all the time because atonement has been made. We're not waiting on anything anymore. This idea that Jesus finished it, he didn't say it's kind of finished, but do this. He said it is finished. Jesus' sacrifice was enough. Numbers 29.7 even shows more of this in the shadow. It says on the 10th day of the seventh month, hold a sacred assembly. You must deny yourselves and do not work. Present as an aroma, pleasing to the Lord, a burnt offering of one young bull, one ram, and seven male, male lambs a year, a year old, all without defect. Listen, that is a shadow of the perfect lamb that was coming. My shirt, this was a, a buddy of mine. He was a Christian rapper, Mobile. Uh, Jeremy Thrash, y'all remember Jeremy? He designed this. This is worthy as the lamb who was slain. I love the design because it shows the lamb with the crossed eyes. He's dead, but he's the king. And I love that, that picture. He is the lion, but he's the lamb. He's the king, but he came humble to sacrifice himself for us. There is, no, there is no future. We're not waiting for this to happen. It's already happened. It's the reality that we can live in now. Matthew 16, 24 speaks of the substance. When Jesus says, says to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. Well, what does that mean to lose your life? What he's talking about there, especially amongst the culture that he was dealing with, especially the Pharisees and Sadducees, was they were very self-righteous. You have to lose all that self-righteousness. You can't, you can't hang on, especially coming from the Old Covenant and the New Covenant, you can't hang on to Moses and his laws and then grab on to Jesus and his grace. There's no in-between. This, this was a very radical statement, especially in the, in the culture that they were in, to say you have to let go of everything, and Paul would reiterate this, and I believe used the closest things to cuss words you could ever say as far as what he considered all of his self-righteousness as dung or as poop. <laughs> he, it was filthy compared to just knowing Christ. It didn't matter what merit he could gain, everything that he could boast about, he said, I count all garbage compared to just knowing who Christ is. Having, having known this reality of Jesus. That's, that's what this ultimate atonement and the sacrifice made for you and me. It has restored your relationship to the Father. So our goals now as Christians are not just to try to get people to go to heaven when they die. It's to recognize that heaven is now here for them and that we can give heaven to them on earth. We can, we, it says now if you go out and you say, <laughs> when, he, when, when Jesus speaks to his disciples, he says, you go out and you say someone's sins are forgiven, they're forgiven. Does that mean that we forgive sins? No. That means the moment that you speak it, the Holy Spirit goes with it, and the moment they believe it, it happens. When, when they asked him, Lord, what are the works that we must do to inherit this kingdom? He, Jesus says, the work is this, believe in the Son. The work is done. The only work we have left is to believe. That's the substance. The, the shadow that if you, and if we want to fast forward this into our culture, we don't have, we don't, and it's funny, I, I want to make a joke about this really, that we should be bringing calves in here and sacrificing it in the way that we treat church sometimes. We treat it as though it's a law. If you come to church and you attend church, then you're good. If you give your tithe, you're good. If you, if you do the right things and don't do the wrong things, you're good. None of that's true. None of it. Jesus is it, plus nothing. He's the only way. 
It's not whether you come on Sundays, whether you come on Wednesdays, whether you, you go out and witness, whether you do soul. None of those things, if it's not in your heart to love people like your father loves you, then we need to, we need to deal with the heart issue first. Outward, I, we can modify behavior for a season, but ultimately when the threat of fear or anything like that, anything that man can put on you, ultimately when that's gone, you're going to do what you want. The issue is what do you want to do and why do you want to do it? The motivation behind what we do. I tell my kids this, we've talked about it in the past about, I don't know why cussing keeps coming up in this, but there would be like these, these songs that take all the cuss words out, and I'm like, it's not about the cuss words. It's about what they're talking about. What they're talking about doesn't matter about the words that they're using. You could say, oh, crap, and it's the same meaning as if you said something else. It's the heart behind what we say. I'd rather you listen to something, even if it was, even if it had a cuss word in it, if it was passionate about a good thing, I would be better with that than something that was detrimental to, you know what I mean? It's, it's not about, we've gotten so surfacy with this thing, especially in church culture, that we would rather modify people's behaviors than see an actual transformation in their lives. Because we're more, we're more focused on what we can see than what's going on inside someone. We do the same thing in worship. If you're not raising your hands or sitting down or standing up or doing cartwheels or waving a flag or whatever it is, then we want to judge the way that someone worships, and that's not true. Every person worships in a way that they, and every person has a story that you don't know anything about. You don't know what's going on with people. God's not, God's not positioned us on this earth the same way he did Jesus to go around judging people. He says, look, I came to save those. I came to, to bring, my heart is that all come to know me. Our job if you want to call it that, our privilege is a better word. Our privilege is to be involved in what God's doing on the earth all the time. We get to step into that. We get to do that. So we talk about sacrificing something. Sacrifice your secular music if you want to, whatever. I think God says, oh, that's cute. He, wants, he doesn't want to make you better. He wants to make you alive. <laughs> he didn't come to make better behaved orphans. He came to, to bring life to, to sons, to bring us from death to life. You were dead in your sins and transgressions. You're not a better version of yourself. You're brand new. You're a brand new creation. The only way that's possible is because it is finished. Yeah. This, the, fin the finished work, I don't, I don't even want to call it finished work theology. It's the gospel. The finished work of Jesus is what we base everything on, Amen. that he did it and his sacrifice was sufficient. We don't need to come up here and second. We, we don't even call these altars. We used to call them altars. Now they're just steps. <laughs> There's, these aren't altars. If you want to come up and pray, that's fine, but you come up and pray to the Lord because you need, to, you need to talk to him. But the altar is done. He's made the ultimate sacrifice for us. Amen. Now we can rest. We can take a real rest. <laughs> like for real, for real. <laughs> Hebrews 4.1 says, Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. What a radical difference to what I heard growing up in churches. I was told much of what I was falling short of, and it was all based on my performance. Very few, if ever, did I hear that I was falling short from entering into God's rest. What a radical statement to say. Falling short from entering into God's rest. It says, for we also have had the good news proclaimed to us just as they did, but the message they heard was of no value to them because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. Now we who have believed enter that rest. This is the substance that we get to enter into now, today. Not just one day when you die. Today, like right now. Matthew eleven twenty eight says, Come to me all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now you've heard me say this before, the message version, it kind of paraphrases, and I love the way that it puts it. 
This is the same scripture uh, written in the message version. It says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Who would not want to live freely and lightly? Now, hear me. This does not mean that you will face no tribulations because it's very clear that we will. But our peace is not bound by our circumstances that are around us. They're sealed in the spirit that is within us. Because what greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world? Where you go, he goes with you. Even if you go to the wrong place, he goes with you and says, hey, stop being stupid. Go over here. But he doesn't just do that. This is where we've relegated the Holy Spirit to say all he does is slap our hand all the time. It's the same reason why we say, well, the, your, whatever kid is the more rambunctious or hard-headed or whatever, she's going to be the bad one or he's going to be the bad one. He's going to do all these things and he's going to do all this stuff. For whatever reason, we default to the negative just because they're strong-willed instead of saying, no, these are natural-born leaders and these are strong individuals that we need to guide in the direction that they can help others that are more timid. It's, this is the same thing we're talking about here. You carry the Holy Spirit everywhere you go. You bring rest where there is no rest. You can enter a gas station and somebody's arguing and you can bring rest of that situation through words or just simply through your presence because you carry the Holy Spirit with you. I have seen it happen. I've seen people walk into a room and the whole atmosphere change in that room because they carry the Holy Spirit with them. I've seen, and I, this isn't always, but I've seen people fall over because they get near someone who just, who just is so full and so... Um, genuine and raw and carrying the Holy Spirit and so loving that the atmosphere changes everywhere they go. You've been around people like that, I know. You've seen it. You've seen people show up to a, a party, a get-together. Listen, Jesus went to parties too. He, if Jesus was here today, you would invite him to your party. He would be the guest of honor. He would be the coolest guy there. He would turn your Minute Maid into wine. <laughs> and not just wine, but the best wine. <laughs> the new wine. John 14, 27 says, Peace I leave, leave with you. Listen to this. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. What's the big burden that we all have? We all have this fear. Something that especially in, here recently with, with all the, the racial tensions and COVID and everything, we've got all this. Listen, fear is a disease too. <laughs> be careful with fear. He says over and over and over again through Scripture, do not fear, do not fear, do not fear. Why? Because he leaves a peace with you, his peace with you. Now, why does it, he says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives you. Uh, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Why does he say this? Let's look at the verse before it, verse 25. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. This is why we have peace, because we have the Holy Spirit. There is no peace outside of that, no real peace. You can have temporary peace, but eternal peace comes with the eternal one that is deposited in your heart when you're born again. That's real peace. That's peace that when the world is falling apart around you, you can, you can be free and light. It is, it is the very thing that I saw in my friend that was witnessing to me before I got saved when I was 20 years old. When he walked past me in that break room, I saw peace because he had lost a loved one and he told me that God was good in passing and I almost fell over. And I thought, this guy just lost a loved one, and he just walked past me and said God was good. What does that even mean? That is supernatural. That is supernatural. 
There's nothing. Listen, we love miracles, and we've seen so many, and we will pray for you to be healed right now. And we've seen it over and over again, but I tell you, there's no greater miracle than being born again. There's no greater supernatural miracle than you being placed in eternity and your name being written. Even when the, the 72 or 70, however many it was, came back, y'all can debate that later, when they came back and they said, hey, it really worked. We're casting out demons, raised dead, all that stuff. Jesus said, awesome. Don't be excited about that. Be excited that your names are written in the book. Why did he say that? He said, because that's even, that's, that is the source of all these things. When the kingdom comes, people get healed. But the kingdom comes. When he says, go out, raise the dead, heal the sick, what does he say before that? Go preach the gospel, preach the good news. Tell them. And wherever the kingdom goes, the kingdom will hit you. <laughs> and you'll see some stuff. It's not always in a church setting. It may be out next to a car somewhere. It may be in a gas station or in a grocery store in your school, in your work. Why? Because this isn't the church you are. Rest isn't just found here. It's found everywhere you go. I tell, I've told you before, like worship in general, I love that we have a worship team, and, but you don't have to have a certain instrument or a certain beat or anything like that to worship. Tracy, if she worships in the car, she gets speeding tickets, but she worships. I don't know why. Worship to her means hit the pedal harder and go faster. But when you worship in the car, don't close your eyes either. Don't let Jesus take the wheel then because my kids are on the road. <laughs> so, but you can worship anywhere, anywhere. You can pray anywhere. When, when the Bible tells us to pray without ceasing, they're not telling you walk around saying, Our Father, Lord in heaven, I'll be your name. Going, you know, going over and over and over again. He's saying, no, have communion with the Lord all the time. When your kids are acting up, <laughs> when you're at, you know, when you're at, you know, wherever, all the time, pray. Talk to your father. I, we talked about this in youth the other night. I said, look, when, when, when the Bible tells us that the Lord knows what we pray before we even pray it, the immediate question usually comes is, well, why even pray if he already knows? Well, the same reason I hope my kids talk to me, not just when they need 20 bucks. I hope they just talk to me because I enjoy fellowship with them. God wants to hang out with you. He wants to spend time with you. He wants to hear from you, not just what you want, not just like a spiritual vending machine, put in two quarters of prayer and get a Dr. Pepper of miracle or whatever. <laughs> like he just wants to spend time with you. This isn't a checklist of things. It's a relationship. The, 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 the goal for the Christian is not just to get people to go to heaven when they die. It's a super awesome benefit because it's eternal life. The goal for the Christian is to restore the relationship with the Father because that's what we, we have been commissioned to do. We have been given the ministry of reconciliation. You and me. There's no plan B. He decided to co-labor with us. The Bible calls it clay jars. We call it Dixie cups. We're Dixie cups walking around here carrying the Holy Spirit. And we can, we can reconcile people to God. What an incredible gift that we have. I mean, it just blows my mind every time I think about it. How specific, how caring God is, the creator of all this universe, and he knows you. He knows every head on your he knows every hair on your head. He knows how many you have. How? It's so huge. Let's go all the way back to Genesis 2-2. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. Stop there. God had finished the work and so he rested. The seventh day, God finished the work that he had done, and so he rested. On the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Because on, on it, he rested from all the work of creating, of all the creating he had done. Do you think God was tired? I don't think God was tired. I think God, Scripture was written for us, right? 
We, we need to see something here. God rests when he does something. Something happens, and then God rests. Let's look at Jesus. God did something in Jesus. He reconciled us to the Father, and he rested. Something happened. Something real happened, and he rested. That rest is made for us. That peace is made for you and me. God doesn't rest until he's finished. This, to me, proves out that what Jesus did was complete. What he did was real, and because we can rest, the reason that we can rest is because the work that he had to do was finished, and we can believe on that. Man doesn't establish his rest. God does. Man just gets to participate in it. We enter the rest. We don't create it. We don't achieve it. We simply step into it. What an awesome thing. You don't have to make it work. This is difficult for me because I like to make things work. When things don't work, I want to fix them, right? Even last night, Tracy was probably frustrated with me because I had something in my head and I couldn't get it out. There was a measurement that I'd taken and someone shipped me a part for the Jeep and it didn't fit right. And I thought, I took the correct measurement. I know I took the correct measurement. I need to go back and measure this. Like, I I wouldn't be able to sleep unless I measured it. And she was like, where are you going? I'm like, I got to go measure this. So I went out and measured it. I sent it to the guy I ordered the part from. I was like, ha, I measured it right. You did it wrong. (laughs) But now I put Loctite on everything, so it's going to be really difficult to take apart. So anyway. But when things are broken, I want to fix them. And I'm a fixer. I want to fix things. Um, And if you're in a relationship, you know, I don't know, maybe it's a guy-girl thing too, but for guys, sometimes your, your spouse or your your significant other doesn't need you to fix things. She just needs you to be there and listen. That's hard for me. I'll wander off. I don't listen very well. I try. I'm sorry. <laughs> She's shaking her head. You don't listen at all. <laughs> I try, but I, I want to hear, hear the facts, and then I want to fix them. I don't want to go on and on about it. I'm like, okay, I get it. Let's fix it. No, Tracy wants to tell me more about this problem. I'm like, no, no, no. I know. We just need to fix it. <laughs> I just want to fix the problem. Yeah, just just give me the sketch. Just give me the fact. Show me that, where's Ben? Me and Ben would always talk about Just show me the baby. I don't need to know about all the birthing pains and all the stuff. Just show me the baby. (laughs) I want to see the thing. I want to see something happen. So we do that in like work, when we talk about work stuff, when I have customers call me or people, or when I call people and I'm on the other end, I I try to do that with everyone else. I don't want to beat around the bush about why things haven't happened the way they should happen. I'm just gonna, I just need to know the facts. When is this going to happen? What date are we going to get this thing shipped? You know, when, when customers call me, they're not looking for fluff. They want to know when they're going to get their product. And in the same way, I, I have that idea. I want to fix things. But sometimes we just need to rest and know that God is taking care of things. This whole house situation was a perfect example of that. I was working hard to buy land and build a barn dominium. It was, I was dead set on it. Probably a dumb idea long term. Me and Mark were talking about it the other day. It was like, you know, there's... Not the best market for those of you who went to resell it. It's just a, a tin can you spray foamed. <laughs> but I saw it as like being cheap and energy efficient. I'm like not going to have a mortgage. And then <laughs> lumber prices go through the roof and metal prices go up and everything goes up. I think, well, maybe my plan was wrong. Maybe I should have prayed about this before, not after. Um, <laughs> from your pastor. Sorry. <laughs> I mess up too. We're not perfect. And so sure enough, I take a step back and, and then things start start going the way that, they, that God wanted. And it was God's perfect timing. She wasn't planning on selling the house until then, so it wouldn't have worked the other time anyway. So maybe it was God's plan for me to be stubborn. He knew me well enough. He knew me well enough to know I was going to pursue this for six months and hang on to this dream that wasn't happening. So there it is. It's funny to look back on that stuff, right? Have you, have you done that? Like look back at your life and go, wow, God was doing this here, here, and here, and here, and I didn't even see it. It was right in front of me. 
You sure can. As someone who also has felt like you know, holding on, holding on to plans that weren't necessarily what you needed, um, and then finally letting go because God was like, "Hey, you're gonna listen to me and what I want to do." And I was like, "Well, I guess I am now." <laughs> <laughs> um, I did that with with my thesis with college. I was working on it my whole four years, and then finally realized at the very end of it when I was at my wit's end, "Oh, I'm not gifted for this. That's why it's not working." And I put these things on myself because I thought that it would take me farther in life. And so I had to, I had to let that go. And um, I think like a week after, Lauren was talking to me about it. And just like, I was like, I knew I made the right decision, but I was still thinking about everything. And she, was, she looked me in the eyes. And she's like, I need you to know that you, it wasn't lost time and that um, you didn't like mess up God's plan for your life or anything. Yeah. That making making mistakes, it wasn't lost time, but God knew exactly what was going to happen, and He's still going to take you where you need to be. But you need to trust that He's good, Amen. and like like He, thank God that He knows that I am like I'm trying my best to listen, but He knows that I'm not going to get it right all the time, and well, there's I'll, grace for that. And we always say God can win with a pair of twos, so like even if we mess it up, <laughs> He works it out. Like, and here's the thing, and I've had lots of young people come to me, especially talking about college or career, different things. What should I do? Should I join the military? Should I do this? Just pick one. God's going with you wherever you go. Now, I'm not saying don't make wise choices. Be educated and don't, I mean, don't be, don't be dumb. <laughs> but at some point, you have to pick one. Yeah. Pick something and go. Grow where you're planted. Mm-hmm. It's, it's another thing. We, we, we have this idea that we, we do this when we church hop, too. We've got to find the right one and the right fit. Be careful with that. Grow, grow. If the Lord placed you somewhere, grow there. You may, you may be needed. This, we've been talking about spiritual gifts these last month or so. You may be needed in an area where they don't have someone like you there. You may be gifted in an area where no one else is. What's happened is we've created these. I'm completely off of what I'm talking about here, but <laughs> Holy Spirit's going to take us this direction. I'll go with him. We've created these divisions in denominations that should be strengthening the church because when you have all these people over here with this one gift and all these people over here, it's like having an arm over here, which is no good to the body. We've got a, a foot over here, which is no good to the body. We've got a mouth over here. There's no good to the body unless they were together. It blows my mind that the very thing that should be strengthening and building sustenance in the church is what's dividing us. We are so caught up in ourselves, and this is what the gospel fixes. This is what grace fixes. We're so caught up in our own version of Christianity. We, we're, the, we're the guy shooting the arrows in, in the, the barns and painting bullseyes around them, making our own religions, instead of seeing that we should be building each other up. And we're tearing each other down by... Keep calling them cults, but they basically are. I'm building cults, saying we're all going to do this thing because we all are more comfortable doing this thing. Sometimes we need to be uncomfortable, occasionally. We need to be uncomfortable and say, okay, well, maybe I'm being stretched here. Maybe this person is gifted in an area that I'm not, and I need to learn from them. Or maybe, maybe I'm gifted in an area, and I need to be here so that I can bless other people. This came up, uh, me and Daniel were talking. Daniel was a part of a ministry and was being frustrated with some things that were going on in the ministry. And he was like, I don't know if I should stay or leave. Do you remember us having that conversation? It's been a while. Probably not. It's okay if you don't. And I said, and I, said I, think you should, I think you have something to offer. I don't think you should go away. I think you should stay. And in the, in the same way, the, the church is the body. Christ is the head. We are the body. We're no good if we're separated. We need to be together. So this escape mentality is what we do. And you'll see it in some marriages. You'll see it in some countries when we go to... Uh, to Honduras, we'll see they want to come to America because they think everything's great here, and then we go and give testimony that everything's not as great as you think. And they're like, what? You guys have problems too? I'm like, yeah, we have problems too. 
But it's this idea that if I can just do this or someday, we always put everything off. It's right now. Listen, you, you are needed right now somewhere. You are gifted right now somewhere. If you find a place, stay there. I mean, unless the Lord is really leading you somewhere else, that's fine. I'm not saying, and that happens too. There's times when you need to be, when, you, when you're led somewhere, so that's fine. But don't, don't put it all on you because it's not you. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Oh, where are we? Yeah, go ahead. You're good. Uh, so some of this is just me also trying to, like, go back to the passage and marry it with things that I've thought and kind of what you're saying. But, like, right before Jesus says that, he's telling the disciples, um, hey, I'm about to have to go through Jerusalem. I'm about to have to suffer a bunch of stuff, and basically I'm going to die. Mm-hmm. Um, and Peter's like, what? Don't say that. Like, what are you talking about? And he's like, get behind me. Like, you're not of the right, like, you're of Satan, basically. Yeah. And so... I think, too, or how I've thought about it, and maybe this is why I'm asking and saying at the same time, so um, a lot of times I think um, we think that God won't take us through suffering, right, that, that that just can't be his will. And Jesus is trying to say, hey, the will of the Father is for me to go to the cross and die. Um, obviously, he's going to do amazing things for me, right? We know that. But in their minds, I think they were thinking, how could this be God's will that you're going to suffer and die? Right. Um, and I think they all, I mean, I think that was beneficial to them at the time, too, because they were about to go through a whole bunch of suffering and die, too. The disciples yeah. died right. in very gruesome ways, most of them. Yeah. Um, and I, so I think in our own life, kind of what you're talking about, like staying where you are, there is this temptation to think this does not feel right. I'm hurting. Right. How can this be what yeah. you want of me? And the temptation in our flesh is to say, I got to get out of here. Right. Like, I can't go through this. And I think that it's beneficial that God is saying, hey, like, your life is mine now. It's protected in me. And you've got to rest and trust that this, whatever this is that you're going through, if it doesn't make sense to you, if it's painful, that on the other side of it, I'm going to bring life. And there's going to be life brought out of it. And so I think that for me over the years, like, that's something that I've had to learn. Kind of what you're saying, like, music, like, it's become so much more than that. And I think in different places in the world for Christians, it's different than here, right? We go through our own things here, but, like, there are literal brothers and sisters being killed for their faith right now. So I think it's it's something that God is really trying to encourage them in. Hey, Mm -hmm. like, you gave your life to me, and it's protected in me. And so come and remind yourself in those times of what I had to walk through to bring that salvation and trust that anything God is walking you through that that doesn't seem right or feel right, that it is going to be right in the end. Right. And it's it's two. There's there's two things when you're saying that, that that I think of. Well, three, really. The first one is beauty from ashes, which is true when you it's not that I don't believe and I don't believe that God puts things like puts suffering on people. But I do believe that he uses suffering for good. He redeems it, right? Also, um, I think that he he saw, he was trying to get them to see things in the spirit that they weren't quite there yet. They were still seeing things in the physical and they wanted Jesus physically to stay with them and he said, it's better that I go because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. He recognized that he was in one place at one time and the Holy Spirit would be with all of us. The third thing I think about is Paul. Paul, when he wrote, I found when we use for sports stuff, which is way out of, or to decoupage our walls from Hobby Lobby. Uh, um, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What he was really saying there is he's found the secret to contentment, meaning he was literally in prison with his feet in raw sewage saying, I am content (laughs) in Christ. 
Like he was saying, no matter what's going on around me, just like I was saying earlier, no matter how bad the persecution is, and you're right, we view persecution like someone has offended us and we're persecuted. That's not persecution. These guys were dying. They were being persecuted and murdered. And there are still people today that are, that are being murdered for this. So this encouragement isn't just to, hey, guys, you can make it. This was serious. This is, you have to find a source greater than what you're going to see around you because you're going to see bad stuff. You guys are going to see bad stuff. I don't know to what extent. I don't know. But, it, but when you have this source that's inside you that says, I'm content, I have a godly contentment that I can do all things because it's Christ who strengthens me, not my circumstances. So moving forward in life should not be this, this, this ladder you're trying to climb and stepping on people's heads to get there. We talk about this upside-down pyramid that the kingdom looks like the greatest of us serve everyone else. It's not because we, we feel better because we're servants. It's because it's, it's who we're designed to be, and it feels good. That's why we watch these YouTube videos of these guys giving somebody like $100 bills, and we feel good. We're like, oh, that's cool. They gave them $100. Bucks. That's neat. Why does that feel good? Because we're designed to be givers. We're designed to be giving. We're designed to love people. Uh, the, the whole thing when Jesus was talking to the Pharisees about uh, go learn what it means that I desire mercy over sacrifice. He was saying, I desire you to love. If you go back in the, in the Torah, he was saying, I, I desire you to love the orphans and the, the widows. And it's not about this sacrificial system. It even says that God was not pleased with their sacrifices all the time. All those sacrifices, and we're about to get to this, in Hebrews, let's, let's go ahead and dive into it. But yes, that was a good point. Did, that, did I go in the same direction? Does that answer yeah. some? Okay. I hope so because I'm just going. We're going to get to Hebrews and then I think I just have one more page. And we'll be done. All right. Hebrews 10.1 says, The law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never, everyone say never, never, never. it can never by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year make perfect those who draw near to worship. The law cannot make you perfect. It wants to. It's good. It just can't make you good. All right? Uh, verse 2. Otherwise, would they not have stopped being offered? For the worshipers would have, would have been cleaned, would have been cleansed once for all and would no longer have felt guilty for their sins. But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins. It is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire. You were not pleased. Then I said, here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, my God. First he said, sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not desire, nor were you pleased with them, though they were offered in accordance with the law. Then he said, here I am. I have come to do your will. He sets aside the first, which is the law, to establish the second, which is grace through faith in Jesus. And by that will, we have been made Hear that, past tense. We have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. And since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. For by one sacrifice he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. The Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. First he says, this is the covenant I will make with them. After that time, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their, on their minds. Then he adds, their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. And where these have been forgiven, sacrifice for sin is no longer necessary. Wow. 
God's heart, even back in the Old Testament, he was, the, sacrifice were, the sacrifices were never enough. They could only work for so long, and they had to do it again, and do it again, and they had to do it again, over and over and over again, and they were never enough to, to fully take away the sins of the world. But Jesus' sacrifice was perfect, and it did. It is finished. It is finished. This is one of the reasons why, and, and I love that he sits down. <laughs> when the, the priest had to stay standing all the time, they had to stay standing, Jesus sits down because his work was done. He was the greatest priest. He's the eternal priest in the, in the lineage of uh, Melchizedek. That's a whole different sermon. He is the eternal priest. He is once for all. One of the reasons we don't, we don't teach uh, the 10% tithe here is because that was an old covenant law. They, they had to have, the priest didn't have any other way of making a living, and he had to stand and make sacrifices and make intercession for the people he had to. And so it was good to give him 10% so that he could eat and live. In the new covenant, I don't make, I don't, I don't do that for you guys. I'm just, I'm a pastor. I love you guys. But you guys have the Holy Spirit that makes intercession for you. That's why we give from the Holy Spirit, because you're already blessed. If if we give so that we can get blessings, Jesus would spend a lot more time talking about selfish ambition than loving your neighbor, right? If, if you're giving so that you can get something in return, that's not really giving, that's a transaction. We get what we don't deserve in Christ. That's how we give. We give from that place. If you want to start with 10%, that's fine, but listen to the Holy Spirit in giving. You may need to give, the Holy Spirit may lead you to give here, and I hope he does. We, we, we need to function as a church, but I pray that he he prompts you to give out there. Money, time, prayers, a smile, a hug. The Holy Spirit leads you to give because that's who he is. Don't make it a legalistic thing that you've, you've, you've done your duty and then you can go do whatever you want to do. No, find out what you really want to do. All right. The law makes people obedient, but it does not make them loving. <laughs> Righteousness is found in faith in Jesus alone. Um, there's this one quote I want to say, and, uh, and then we'll kind of wrap up with this. It's uh, Robert Farrar. I think it's pronounced Capon, but I say Capone because it sounds more gangster. Uh, but he's an old school. He was one of the ones I found after I, I really started discovering how big and, and vast and awesome God's grace really was. I started looking to see if anybody else had seen this, and this guy saw it a long time ago, and he's, he's got some really cool writings, but this is one of my favorite quotes from him, and it says, I think good preachers should be like bad kids. <laughs> they ought to be naughty enough to tiptoe up on dozing congregations, steal their bottle of religion pills, and flush them all down the drain. <laughs> the church, by and large, has drugged itself into thinking that proper human behavior is the key to its relationship with God. What preachers need to do is force it to go cold turkey with nothing but the word of the cross and then be brave enough to stick around while the congregation goes through the inevitable withdrawal symptoms. But preachers can't be that naughty or brave unless they're free from their own need for the dope of acceptance. And they won't be free from their need until they can trust the God who has already accepted them in advance and dead as doornails in Jesus. Unless the faith of preachers is in that alone and not in any other person, ecclesiastical institution, theological system, moral prescription, or master recipe for human, human loveliness, they will be of very little use in the pulpit. I read this all the time. 
because I'm always, in the back of my head, I'm intimidated because I'm a high school dropout and I didn't go to seminary. And I always think I'm not smart enough, I'm not good enough. I'll never be, you know, a real, I've heard people say, well, you're not a real pastor or something. I don't even know what a real pastor is, but whatever. Um, I don't wear a suit, but I always go back, I always go back to, I always go back to knowing the acceptance of, of the Christ that has given me the strength that I have to, have to even do this because it's outside of my ability to do it on my own because I are not smart <laughs> in, in those areas. I didn't grow up studying and reading. The only reason I do is because the Holy Spirit draws me to it and I'm, I'm encouraged by it. It's, it's, it is life to me and I feed on it because it's, the, it's, it's not just a book, it's not just the word, but it's, it's the living word. And so I, I'm encouraged by this all the time when I read it because it's the truth. We have to see how valuable the gospel is because if it's, if it's my personality or my way of doing things that draws you in here, it's going to be that's what keeps you and it's what's, what's going to have you leave if I don't have that and I, I'm not that good. And I, don't, I would say any other, any other person that graces this pulpit will say the same thing. Buddy or Ben or Andrew or anybody else that comes up here and preaches, it's not about our personalities. We're not trying to lead you guys in a direction that is based upon our abilities. It is the gospel and it's the gospel alone. It's Jesus. That's the power, and that's what's going to keep you. That's what's going to keep these young people that are going from high school into college and going from middle school into high school and from going into the workplace. It's not going to be me or my personality that keeps them. It's going to be the Holy Spirit of God and the reality that, that lives in and through them. Yeah. I can't. It's, a, it's always a temptation to give you a lot of steps, give you some three steps in a poem. It's always a temptation to do that because that, will, that would feed. I would, feel, I would feel like I did something. I would help you. But if I don't give you the gospel every day, and that's what Mark taught me too, it's, it's give them the good news. At the end of whatever you're talking about, if you give them, give them the gospel. And that's what I always focus on. So I hope that you heard the gospel today. <laughs> um, love you guys. We're about five minutes over. Y'all have any questions? Want to add anything? I don't have a big, big ending. <laughs> Anybody? Y'all good? Everybody good? All right, well, stand up with me. I'll pray. Um, It's a beautiful day. Lots more blessings to go. You guys have the Holy Spirit and you can carry it with you. Oh, Father, I just thank you for this day. I thank you that we were able to fellowship and hang out. Um, one of the signs, I believe, of a, of a healthy church is that we, we talk to each other and we, 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 uh, we commune with one another. We're, we're not um, just blindly following each other, but we are unified in that we know you and we love you. Lord, thank you that I... You have given the Holy Spirit to us. You've met us right where we are, Lord. You've taken all of our shortcomings and you've made them, um, it says in our weakness, we find strength and it's your strength that we find. So Lord, help us to see that. Lord, highlight the people that we need to bless and build up when we leave this place, when we leave this building. Lord, and I pray that you would uh, put people in our lives that would do the same, Lord, that they would build us up and that they would pray for us and, and, and help us when we need. Lord, you have built us from community for community. Help us to reach out to those that are around us and love like you love us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Have a great day.